Hey guys, welcome to the Connection Project podcast. My name's Matt. And I'm Lauren. And together, we are bringing humanity together through conversation. Because together, we are stronger. This next episode is going to be mind-blowing and we are super grateful to have you join us. How good's living, Lauren? Booyah! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Human Connection Project podcast for 2020. Uh, There's a new year upon us and a new century, and with that comes an incredible opportunity to rewrite your chapters, and that's exactly what we're going to do in 2020. We're going to take Human Connection, uh, deliver it still in our own backyard here in Brizzy, but what we're really excited about is the opportunity to be delivering the Human Connection Project podcast and the project itself uh, around the nation. So we're going to be taking initiatives to Perth, Sydney, Melbourne, and hopefully uh, we can hit the other states very soon. But in the first episode of 2020 on the podcast, we are joined by Jesse Williams. Now, Jesse Williams will be commonly known to many as the monster, and I'm going to read his Instagram bio to you today. It reads... I'm trying not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. And I can say from this episode today that that Instagram bio is true to every point of the sentence. Uh, I got a lot of value out of this episode and I hope that you guys get just as much as we did. Stay tuned. And as always, if you want to reach out, Human Connection Project on any of our socials, shoot us a message. We'd love to connect. How good's living? Alrighty guys, welcome to episode 5 of the Human Connection Project podcast. We're sitting down at Brizzy River here, it's an absolute ripper day and this is going to be an absolute ripper podcast. Today we're super grateful, super humbled and super excited to be having Jesse Williams on the podcast and I'm not going to steal his limelight and do his introduction for him but what I will say is there is a lot, lot more than meets the surface with Jesse and I think over the next uh, 20 to 30 minutes you guys are going to learn that and uh, I hope you get as much inspiration out of this as I plan to. Uh, but before we go any further, Jesse, in a, in a nutshell, give us the, uh, what you are as a, as a person rather than what you've achieved. Ooh, I think for me, I think the biggest thing, especially now as mature, is just being a man of value. Um, to I guess the closest people in my life and, and what I do for work and, and what I want to affect in the world and I've had a lot of uh, I guess previous successes and failures that uh, sort of you know stick pretty close to me because they're in the limelight a lot but I think my value to I guess planet earth and society is is, is just as cool I think. Absolutely so we were um, we were talking a little bit I guess, off air to be broadcasters previously. We quickly had to jump on because we knew we were going to miss some value. Uh, But one thing we talked about is the fact that you were relatively alone from the age of 17. So a lot of the the people that we talk to in our community events or in our school program are are around about that age bracket. They're getting out of school. They're obviously, you know, trying to take on life on on their own for the first time ever. And being alone is obviously kind of I guess the opposite of where we're headed with the human connection and uh, if we can get kind of just uh, your impressions of what it felt like to be alone and if you could go back to 17 year old Jesse now uh, is there anything you'd change in terms of uh, who you surrounded yourself with? Yeah absolutely man I was uh, I was a rough head I was a rough head man Um, you know leaving home and I guess pretty much venturing across the world and yeah, diving into a completely different culture and networking and different types of people, different locations, as well as playing sport and having to go to school. Um, so it was super tough. I think for me, that really stemmed, I guess, the kickstart of my own, like, sort of somewhat forced self-awareness. Um, you figure out real quick what you're not willing to do and what you are willing to do for what you 
I guess, end goal. Um, and I think for me, leaving at the age 17, 18 to go across the world with, you know, hardly any money, hardly any like sort of anything besides opportunity, I think. And a lot of kids I don't think now would really even take the leap that I did. I get a lot of kids message me saying that, you know, they want to do what I did or, or parents want to send their kids. And I was like, man, if you had to do what I had to do, I don't know if you really send your kids, you know. Um, but I definitely would change a few things. And I was, I'm generally a pretty like isolated guy. I stick to myself a lot and pretty internal. Um, but I definitely think uh, being around the right people along my, my journey, especially in sports, being around good men, good coaches, I think had a huge impact on my own development. Um, and I tell a lot of the guys now, especially young kids going over or playing sport here, I was like, it's the people that you surround yourself with on and off the field. And I think I did a pretty good job of that. Um, I didn't drink or smoke. You know, I didn't do nothing. I never was in trouble. I didn't really go to like parties or anything. I was just like grinding back and forth, back and forth every day. And I think for me, there was it ran parallel with the people I, I sort of hang with. Um, they know I'm crazy. I sort of know they're a little crazy. So it works out pretty good. You know what I mean? I think for me, I still am like that. I'm pretty small circled. For me, it's like the quality over quantity. Um, I have to be around good people for me to like thrive. I have to be challenged a little bit, but not challenged like who's the coolest, who's got the most likes on Instagram, but like what am I doing? What's my effectiveness? Like how good can I be at, at what I want to be or who I am? Um, so I definitely think I'm huge on mentorship. I'm huge on just, you know, guilty by association, you know, because it can go the opposite way. You know, you hang around five knuckleheads long enough, you'll, you'll be the sixth real soon. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd probably be the biggest one and solidify how hard I was working. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I was, yeah, I was going and it, and it, and it paid off, um, you know, probably to the point where I probably worked a little too much, a little too hard, but honestly, that's me. That's yeah. part of what I sort of stand for and what people know me for. So yeah, it had to, man. And I forced it on myself. You know, it was, I knew it was going to be trial by fire and I was going to figure it out as I went. So I just went. So two two things I um I really enjoyed out of that little segment was the first one that I want to touch on is we talked about the self-awareness. So we've got in today's day and age, I guess everyone's getting rewarded for everything. If we if we relate back to the kids, you know, you're running a school carnival and everyone from first place to 10th place is getting a ribbon. And uh, those listeners will know that I'm someone who's on the opinion that that's causing a lot, a lot of damage in today's society because it's creating these kids that aren't self-aware, you know, yeah, he may be really good at uh, a shot put, um, but have you seen you ru- yourself run the hundred meter sprint or, or something like that? Instead of having that self awareness to know your skill sets, we're comparing us to to someone else. And I think what you talk about in your mentorship is that something we need to be building into the education system, where these kids, you know, that aren't getting into the sporting world. Uh, are getting picked up somewhere along the lines where they can get some mentorship or some guidance around this self-awareness or is it something that has to be left to the parents to develop? No, I think it could be a bit of both. I think the, and I, I see a lot of that as well. I see a lot of, um, I guess, complacency and entitlement sort of, and that breeds into a whole different characteristics of, of type of person, especially as you get older and, you know, with Instagram and all that sort of stuff, it, uh, it's like a little bit of a wildfire once you get it cranking. And uh, I think for me, I've been around, uh, my grandparents ran an indigenous hostel when I was younger. I've been around kids my whole life. I played nothing but team sports. You figure out real quick, you're not the fastest one. You're not the best at this. You know, you need to work on this, but I might have this one skill that I'm really good at. Um, So I've been lucky enough with that. I don't think a lot of kids get thrown in that. I think um, 
the pressure is a privilege um, and you take a lot from that and you take it pretty far. Like still to this day, I look back at some of the situations. I'm like, man, I used to get, I used to play basketball against my parents who were great basketball players and I mean, you just get dusted, you know? You're just like, you learn. I never wanted to play with my mom. She was so rough and, and then you learn, you know? And you get to the age of like, oh, now it's my turn. Like I'm, I'm starting to get it. You know what I mean? A lot of kids don't have that. That's essentially like the smallest version of like trial by fire. You figure out real quick, like, that's not it. I need to work towards this, this, and this if this is what I want to do. Um, but I think in regards to like the mentorship, I think for me, why I was so, I guess, successful in getting people around me doing that, I was, I was open, I was vulnerable, and I, I listened to everything. Going over to the US, everyone, like, man, you get yelled at pretty, pretty crazy. You know what I mean? The standard is very high. I was open to everything. I needed to figure out what I wasn't good at so I could learn to be the best at that. Um, and for me, I think a lot of kids are so sheltered in what they think is maybe their own little self-awareness or they think they know who they are or whatever. Um, and they ignore that. That's that positive reinforcement. It just comes out a little negative at the time. Yeah. That's what I take from that. Um, I think a lot of people, and I see this a lot with a lot of athletes I work with that, you know, no one, I, they just have the attitude, I don't care what anyone thinks. Like, I'm just doing this because of this, this, and this. So independent in what they think is right. And I think that's wrong. I think the thing is you have to really care about what people think. The hard part in life, obviously, as you mature and, and who you're around is choosing which people to really care about what they think. Um, you know, a lot of kids will trust social media before they trust their parents. Yeah, which voices to listen to. Yeah, so it's the quality of that. And I think that stems from just being self-aware to know this is me, but open enough to know I'm still missing a few things. I can offer so much, but I'm still in need of a few things to develop to where I want to be. Um, and I think I did that really well when I went over. I was just like, man, I have no clue. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. I don't deserve to be on the field with these guys, but I would outwork everybody. You know what I mean? So I knew I would find where I was missing stuff and I'd get better and better and better. One of the best quotes, I'm not even quotes, a conversation I've ever had with Dan Quinn, who's the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. He actually um, drafted me to uh, Seattle Seahawks. He was a defense coordinator. And I said, you know, when I got there, I was like, how, how, how do I make a difference? How do I stand out in a room full of amazing football players? And um, he said to me, and it stuck with me so hard, he said, find what you're the best at in this room and make sure every room you go to, you're the best at that. And it's just like, in other words, find your skill set and hone that in because that's going to be you. The skill set is you. You know what I mean? Your skill set, your failures, your successes, that's your resume you put out everywhere you go. And you can either add to that, utilize that, or not. It's that sharpen the saw blade, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like that um, being in the situation, you're not going to be the best at everything. No one ever is. You know, so it's just finding what you're good at and, and being the best at that. Some people, that's one thing. Some people, that's two. You just got to find what that is. Yeah, I think every team has to have, you know, uh, somebody that's the the leader of this, someone that's the leader of that. And if we take that out of a team sport and put it into, you know, a business, for example, you've got to have someone that's really great at your customer service. You've got to have someone that's really great at your systems and, and so on and so forth. And I think what... um what's happening at the moment in in particular in our youth is they think they have to wear every hat when the fact of the matter is you need to find other people that, that suit those hats that you want to build into your network and, and build that around them and make sure you're adding as much value to their life as you're adding to theirs. Uh, but one thing where we wanted to head to next was I guess you've you've pretty much, and we spoke about this off air, you've achieved all the goals you set out for yourself at a young age. But at what are... Uh, 
what kind of, I guess, level of your life did you realize this is my goal that I want to achieve off? And then the roles that you kind of stepped out to make that happen because we've got a, a lot of people talking purpose uh, in today's society and I for one think that we've we've really killed the word purpose it needs to be replaced with passion uh, purpose is the outcome of having passion for something if you if you're setting your purpose and you know my purpose is to do that you may find another way to achieve that but if you're just stuck in that one purpose then we're not going to get there so if we were to remove the word purpose you know you didn't set out to have a purpose to play the NFL you had a passion to get there which made your goal setting um you know interested to learn a little easier or do you think there's a better way to set that no I definitely think passion is the word passion is like so heavily with me um I'm so attracted to it I attract it so heavily in my life and I think um that played like probably the biggest role in me getting to where I got to I think in regards to like the goals and 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 wanting to go over I, I was probably about 15 16 I remember sitting out with my parents and like obviously it's pretty costly to play so my parents we had all had to make sacrifices to try and make this happen um, so for me, it was like sitting down with them and saying, hey, I, I really want to do this. Like we've had a lot of interest from people. People think I can do it. Um, the coaches think so. Some schools think so. So like I really want to try and do this. You know, it's like you can further my education. It's a, a whole realm of opportunity. And uh, so we just pretty much from that day was just like everything I did. And this comes back to, I guess, to the drinking and smoking thing as well. It's just like I only did stuff that pushed me closer to that in any way, shape and form. If drinking and smoking made me faster and stronger, I'd be a crackhead but it didn't, so I didn't have to do it. It's the easiest choice I ever made. Um, and I think for me going over there and chasing my passion, I think people get a little twisted sometimes that I went over there to like, you know, just to take it back a little bit, no one in here, there was probably about three or four people in Australia that believed in something I was doing. At this time, no one's gone over. There's no NFL anywhere. No one's doing it. There's a few, there's a league here. It's not very big. So I, when you tell people, yeah, I'm trying to go to the NFL, um, they don't believe you, you know? So it, it takes a little bit, I guess, as a young 15, 16-year-old to believe in yourself to start off with, let alone have everyone else tell you that's impossible. Um, so for me, I, I think people get this twisted when I talk sometimes that it's, I went over to prove everyone wrong. And it was the exact opposite. When I was 15, 16, I went over to prove myself right. I did, was not driven extrinsically by people telling me I was wrong. I was driven I- intrinsically by telling myself I was right to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, it wasn't like, I never saw it as like this was an, an, uh, a, a do or die situation or a yes or no situation. It was just like, I need, this is an opportunity that I need to be like seizing ASAP. I need to do everything I possibly can to take the most out of this. Um, obviously, I was extremely passionate about it. And once the opportunity started rolling, I was like, man, this is all me. Like, I have to do this for me. And, and it just kept going, kept going. I hit roadblocks over and over again. I think I'm like, nine, ten surgeries in just from playing football in college and in the NFL. And it's just like, yeah, there's roadblocks. There's adversities. I've been through the highest highs and lowest lows. And if you don't have that passion, um, purpose was never there for me. It was passion. Like, I'm, I'm so passionate. It has to wake me up before my alarm and put me to bed much later than I should be. Everything. You know what I mean? If I can't find that in my life, no good. So I think that was, at that time, my life was everything. I used to train at the stupidest hours. I used to train at a intensity that no people would ever want to train with me. You know, the only person that was really there was my brother. And most of the time, he'd be like, yo, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like, you're crazy. Um, So it was a lot. It was by myself, and it was doing a lot. It was a lot of training. I would run hills with bloody books in in my bag, and I would like, I'd go to the gym all stupid times. And I think if I didn't have passion, 
that little bit of fire I had would have fizzled away. Or if I, worse, was extrinsically motivated by people or or the situation or just wanting to go for money, it would have fizzled away. That first roadblock, I would have been like, yo, this is too hard. And I see a lot of kids do that. Um, and I just think I was lucky enough in my own skill set to just continually keep going. You know, we had something, something pop up. We don't have enough money for that. Okay, we'll find another way to do this. You get there. All right, you get hurt. Let me find the quickest way to get back to this. You know what I mean? And all the way stems all the way up to just what's next in every way, shape, and form. And I was like, same thing when I had the guy call me. I got to have surgery to remove my kidney because I've got stage four cancer. I'm like, all right, well, then take it out, and then we'll be back. Like, what's next after that? Like, nothing was – no wall was too high I couldn't see over. Um, And, yeah, it was just – a continual fight that I had and it was just driven internally and I was lucky enough it was just internal because I didn't want it to be external and um, it uh, it meant way more when I got to where I wanted to not because I was proving everyone wrong that was well, the easiest part it was proving myself right you know what I mean I mean when you stand there at the end of achieving something if you've tried to achieve it you know for others in the terms of trying to prove them wrong um, it's a pretty lonely podium to stand on but if you've if you've got to a podium and you've done it for something that you, you've set that goal for yourself, you're driven intrinsically by yourself, you'll find yourself surrounded by those that matter to you, which I think is, is really important to, to not only and to move on from our youth now. Is that, that's a lesson that I think all of Australia and probably all of society really needs to learn is to take our, take our purpose, remove it, replace it with a passion and then really intrinsically motivate ourselves because marketing books have said for the last 10 years, if you don't have a purpose, then you're pointless to the point now when we run our school education programs, it, it breaks my heart to see these young kids come up to me at the end of a, a presentation and say, you know, I, I haven't found my purpose yet. And I'm like, buddy, you're in year eight. <laughs> and I'm 27. And if someone asked me my purpose, I'd probably just, no, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just here to help connect people. Um, but we kind of touched on it then, the adversity element and... You know, everyone, unfortunately, is going to go through some sort of adversity in their life. Some of them, fortunately enough, it's going to be quite, you know, an easy roadblock to get through or a hurdle to get over. For some, it's going to be uh, quite severe and you've obviously had a quite severe one to get through. But I guess coping mechanisms don't differ, whether it is something that is massive, like glading over cancer or whether it's the adversity of you know losing something you know in your life that you had importance of that you've then got to get back you know there's all different degrees but I think the coping mechanisms are all the same if we can teach people to to not just survive through life but to thrive I guess what's some coping mechanisms that that come to mind for you that's kind of cater for for the large and the small adversity I think uh, even just for myself, I think the pressure or adversity, I, pref- I just call it pressure. I, the pressure is relative. You know what I mean? Some, I know people that, you know, kick their toe and they're upset the whole day. You know, I had cancer and the next day I was fine. I was back working out, you know. And I think for me, my biggest way out of a lot of that is just perspective. I did the same thing when I had cancer. You know, I'm, I'm in the same ward. I see kids that barely even know how to walk and they're dealing with much worse things than I have. And I'm like, man, if, if this is... Um, able to be beaten by some of these kids they have no clue but fight so that's all i have to do then i have nothing but fight you know what i mean i was just lucky enough for me i developed that skill set pretty early on you know i'm from a you know reasonably middle class family i've been through a bunch of adversity being a young indigenous man from brisbane um to try and go and do what i did so i sort of had a pretty good build-up of adversity little things over and over and over again to get where i needed to get and um so i was pretty aware of myself of like i'm tough 
And I tell people all the time, like, I'm glad I had cancer because if it was my mom, if it was my, my dad, if it was anyone else close to me, I'd have been shook. You know what I mean? Because I had such belief in myself. I was like, I'm ready to ride. I don't care what it is. Um, I was unshakable. I was like, cancer. I was like, all right. I was like, take my kidney. I'll be back. Um, so I think for me, I had a pretty good buildup of adversity in regards to overcoming, not like just getting hit by things over and over again, but being able to take the hit and keep going and keep going and keep going. And for me, the biggest thing getting out of that, that I guess, dark room was just perspective, realizing what was, what was really there for me, what I'm really capable of and, and how bad a lot of these things were. And then trying to change that for, for I guess, the better um, and keep it in you know, relativity of like, okay, this is that. These are the solutions. Um, for me, I'm just all about solutions. I don't want to hear the problem but once. And I'm going to work on the solutions from there. And then we'll get to work. You know what I mean? I don't like to dwell on things. Um, I like to go fast, but I don't like to rush, you know? So for me, it was just like, focus on that. I'll find a way out. It was like an, it's like an escape room of life, you know? I'm just like, give me the, that's the puzzle. All right, well, let's figure a way out. If I can't figure it out, I'm running through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about it earlier is that Ray Dahlia has this concept which is just another one of those so everything in life he can categorise uh, to you know let's use let's use cancer as our example we can categorise that as say a saber toothed tiger and go okay cool it's another one of those what's its characteristics What? how do we tame it how do we beat it how do we go around it and then how do we manage it and I think that's something that we can you know if we can teach that to, to our our kids going through school and then to our adults going through their life, then that's something that's going to make a big difference. But um, one thing I noticed with a few of the older people I talk about, I talk with, sorry, is they're, they're kind of getting disheartened if they haven't got to a certain period of success uh, in inverted commas by a certain age group. So say they've got to 30 and they haven't got the, the kid or the, the white picket fence or whatever they were striving for. And I always take them back to the analogy as I was a chippy by trade and, you know, if we've got an eight-hour day and two hours into the day, I haven't achieved, you know, what I plan to do in that, that whole eight-hour day. I don't just pack up my tools and go home. Is that something that you see a lot with the, the clients that you work with? Oh, man, absolutely. I, I try and tell people all the time. I was like, if I, I need eight hours to cook a roast, I can't turn up the heat and expect it to be cooked the same in a short amount of time. Um, so for people, they just you end up burning the roast and the inside's uncooked. You know what I'm saying? So people are just out here trying to turn up the heat when really this is a slow burner, you know what I mean? I think for a lot of people, um, they really do try and rush. And, you know, social, I feel, honestly, for me, I'm not a, I try not to dive too hard into social media or the hate around a lot of it because it's positive in a lot of ways. But I think it skews success for a lot of people. Yeah. Like, outrageous amounts of people. Like, you know, to be popular, you have to, you know, we got to eat at James Street. I have to have a, you know, Mercedes C63. My girlfriend has to have, you know, 100,000 followers on Instagram. I got to do this, this, and this. And that's not exactly what it is. I think for people, they get so swept up in sort of trying to chase someone else's lane instead of like find what their whys or their passions are. Because um, most of the time, you know, like Jim Carrey says it the best, you know, I could wish everyone would, you know, be rich and famous and have everything they ever wanted to realize that's not it. Uh, and I've been to that exact point where like that's, you can't keep up with what it is. Yeah. You're running at your own speed, you know what I mean? And you can't outrun that. Um, so I think a lot of people, perspective with me hits home so heavy with so many aspects of life because um, I can literally change everything the way I think. 
Um, and I think a lot of people do that and they start getting swept up in the wrong side of being able to change that. They get lured into the trap of like, this is how to make money quick. This is how to get fit quick. This is how to be rich and famous quick. When, man, whoever is at those destinations realize, hey, that road wraps all the way back around somewhere no one else is ever going to go to get to where they are. Um, I just tell people, especially athletes, I said, the faster we get there, the shorter amount of time we're going to spend there. You know what I mean? So I prefer the long burner of like, let me earn every day. So when I'm there, I can stand on top for as long as I can because I'm, I'm ready to ride. You know what I mean? I don't want to get there by accident or fluke it or beat everyone there with no quality or no authenticity or integrity of what I'm doing. Um, but I think for a lot of it, it's just like integrity. I see a lot of people that's just, I guess, chasing things that are not always theirs and not always realistic. So, of course, I would be depressed. I would have anxiety, too, if I'm chasing – if I was waking up every day chasing that I'm going to be the first person to Mars, I'd be upset a lot because I'm like, oh, I'm going to hit some roadblocks. I'm going to hit some adversity. I'm going to hit some people, some naysayers. Um, so I think a lot of people, if they chase what they really wanted and let that intrinsic motivation sort of outdo that extrinsic motivation – it would be a much smoother ride for everybody. Yeah, we've, we've uh, prioritised kind of like job titles, wealth, success, image over the things that actually matter in life. As, you know, as, as morbid as it is, I always use the kind of the analogy around the eulogy. You know, I, I want to live a life where, yeah, I could be living on scraps for the rest of my life, but if I have, you know, at my funeral in hopefully, you know, 80 plus years that everyone that rocks up there only has good things to say. I've packed the rafters and my eulogy is all about how many people I helped in life. Then I'll live off rags for the rest of my life. I think what we're doing at the moment is we've got everyone looking at this necessary evil that social media, and I, I agree it is a, it can be used as such a, a powerful, positive tool. We're looking at this social media button, we're looking at these you know, guys and girls that have created these images where they're driving around the Tesla, they're living in the multi-million dollar apartment, they're running multi-level marketing schemes or they're running some get quick rich online coaching and you're like, come on man, you're you're making the matters worse for the rest of us, we're trying to battle this. I think, um, but to kind of keep it relatively short and sweet, Jesse, your adversity that you went through was one thing and it was a, a very extremely tough hurdle to get over, I could only imagine. But I think what you're doing today, and I first met Jesse through speaking at a, uh, a Lululemon event, um, I think what you're doing today holds the most value for, for myself and for our listeners. And if you can give us a bit of an update on where you're at at the moment, because like we said, uh, you were someone who hit the goal and then you kind of had to press reset on your life and reset your goals. A lot of people might have you know, got there and not known what to do. I'm sure there's people listening that have hit their goals and gone, all right, well, now what? Yeah, exactly. The, the now what question was, was was very common with me. I think um, the best way to explain it was I was in such a receiving role in the NFL as in money, attention, affirmation, whatever. Um, when I retired, I had all this stuff. I'm a firm believer of, you know, life happens for me, not to me. And I have to learn. I'm, I'm giving this stimulus. I have to learn. I would like uh, to move on to the next level. I got to figure out what this problem is and why it's here. So for me, once I retired it was more like moving to like this serving role. I was like, man, I have to do stuff with, I've got so much knowledge. I've lived this whole life of just crazy, absolute crazy highs and lows. I need to like teach. I need to give back. I need to do all this stuff. So I went back and I coached, um, did sports performance and strength conditioning coaching at the University of Alabama with my alumni and um, then moved back to Australia. It was, I think, pretty much that whole concept of from receiving to serving that sort of led me in to what I do now and 
I do a lot of keynote speaking. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky enough that I'm, I guess, somewhat sought after in regards to, I guess, my story and my experiences and, and where I've been and, I guess, where I plan to go. Um, but I think for me, much like I said at the start, was just be effective, be of value. Um, and that's using my experiences and my learnings. And right now, that's, you know, working with a lot of athletes um, in mindset stuff and overcoming adversities and trying to – I do a lot of stuff in the indigenous community, trying to do a lot of speaking, trying – be effective in in what I really want to do and push out there and obviously being an athlete being indigenous mental health is huge with me um not only the negative side but the positive sides of you know mental resiliency being mentally strong those ups and downs that I face you know from you know two national championships all American Super Bowl getting drafted earning money to you know injury injury having cancer trying to come back not to myself and absolute highs and lows for me, I was I was lucky enough to stay pretty in between, and I I still to this day pride myself on um, a topic I speak about pretty heavily is that's being unshakable, and I think for me is being able to ride the wave of of life that, that's given to me, and I, I keep pretty cool, calm, and collected in between in regards to my skill set of not being driven to chase something that's super high, and not being pulled all the way down into the depths. Um, I do my best work when I'm cruising in the middle. Um, and I know the super highs are going to come, the super lows are going to come, and I've got that skill set built up of like I'm ready to handle that. Um, and I think that's such, a, such an underutilized skill of cruising, not cruising as we go in slow, but cruising is like I'm unshakable and like you can pull me out any direction. I'm self-aware of who I am, what I've done, where I'm going. Um, and I think a lot of people don't have that. So for me, it's just like I need to like radiate that to people and tell people and talk to people. Um, but much like this podcast, connecting with people, connecting with brands, connecting with companies that have that same mindset of like, you know, health, wellness. And obviously it all starts with that huge fat control pad of a head that I have and using that in a positive way. Um, and people are slowly coming around to it. I think Australia is a little behind compared to the US, but it's moving in the right direction. And I just want to be on the forefront of that in being able to help um, and use my experiences in life as an example. I've done heaps of amazing things some that I would never have in my wildest dreams assumed it would ever happen. But I've also done the exact opposite things as well. Um, and I think a lot of youth learn from that, um, especially athletes being lucky enough to work with NRL, Rugby in Australia, and you know, the rest that's floating around. Um, so I think I've just continued to uh, not so much try to be a man of success, but more so work towards being a man of value um, and find my skill set and be the best at that in every room that I am lucky enough to be in. Matt, I don't think there's much more I could add after that. Um, Jesse, it's been an absolute privilege to have you on today and I, I really do think that our viewers or our listeners are going to get a whole bunch of value out of that and if the only thing you take out of that, the last sentence around rather than being a man of success, being a man of adding value to society, uh, I think is an absolute nugget. So thank you very much for, for being on today. really appreciate it. For, for those that are listening, where can we, where can we get more of Jesse Williams? Because I know... I, for one, follow along, and there's a lot of stuff on there that I think is beneficial to everyone. Yeah, so you probably just – Instagram's probably the most popular one. I post, you know, books I'm reading, quotes, music, all that stuff, and that's just um, at the monster, um, T-H-E-M-O-N-S-T-A-R. Um, and then, yeah, hopefully I'll, I'll get my own podcast cranking in the next few months and, uh, yeah, hopefully spread a, a little bit of light and – do what i can mate i i yeah can't thank you enough that was sensational if uh as always guys at the end of these episodes if this has brought anything to your attention 
uh, that has potentially stirred some emotions, we massively encourage you to reach out to those in your community. Uh, and if you find that you haven't got the person to reach out into your community, then there are numbers to call. And the most appropriate one is Lifeline on 13 11 14. Connect with us on our socials, guys. You can find us at Human Connection Project. For now, always remember, how good's living? <laughs>